it's called a salute to all nations, mm -hmm. but mostly America. Great. America did not exist. Four centuries of work, bloodshed, loneliness, and fear created this land. We built America, and the process made us Americans. Phew, boy, hottest 4th of July we've had in years. America, spread your golden wings, sail on freedom's wind across the sky. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. W everybody and welcome to the WDW radio show your Walt Disney World information station I am your host Lou Mangello and this is show number 177 for the week of July 4th 2010 thanks for listening and happy Independence Day to everyone celebrating in the US and those who may be stationed or living overseas I proudly dedicate this show to everyone who has ever sacrificed to ensure our continuing freedoms. Captain EO, starring Michael Jackson, has returned to its home in Walt Disney World, and I had a chance to see the show just days before it opened to the public. This week, we'll discuss its return and talk with Disney executives, Imagineers, and guests and get their reactions as well. We'll look at how the show compares to its 1986 debut and its possible future in Epcot. I'll open up the inbox again this week and answer more of your listener emails. Topics include the Nightmare Before Christmas Haunted Mansion overlay, some additional Haunted Mansion trivia, dining choices in Walt Disney World, Winter Summerland, Port Orleans, ticket upgrade options, comparing the Magic Kingdom resorts, and much more. I'll play more of your voicemails and have a few announcements at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. The summer of 2010 in Walt Disney World may be known as the time of Summer Nightastic, but we're going to look back at this time in Disney's history as one in which nostalgia played a key role in changes to the parks. And I keep on saying that everything old is new again, and it's true with the return of the Main Street Electrical Parade, the new quote-unquote fireworks show, which borrows heavily from the old pirate and princess party display, and even the subtle refreshing of Fantasyland and some other areas of the Magic Kingdom. But although... Not officially part of Summer Nightastic, nostalgics, fans, Disney historians, 
And simply those of us who are forever stuck in the 80s, a little foreshadowing there, we're going to remember this as the summer that we were paid a visit from an old friend. His name is Captain EO. And as you remember, Captain EO was here from 1986 to 1994, and he has returned for what is going to be an unspecified time. And I, had a, I was fortunate to have a chance last week to get a preview of the film's return just days before it opened to the public. And joining me at that preview, in addition to some other media folks and hundreds of very, very excited cast members who were lucky enough to get tickets, was Glenn Whalen. And he accompanied me there. And he's also accompanying me today on the segment, not because of Scared of the Dark or Michael Jackson, but because almost a year ago to the day, we did a Wayback Machine about Captain EO right after Michael Jackson's untimely passing. So he's back. You know it. Jam on. He's bad, really. <laughs> Glenn Whalen. It's great to be here, Lou. I, uh, I think it's important that we get to do this again because the command considers us a bunch of losers. But we're going to do it right this time because we are the best. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, but if you haven't seen Captain EO, that clearly is one of the first <laughs> memorable. And, and look, you know, it's funny because, like I said, we're, we're doing this almost a year to the day from when right. we did it last time. And we did it obviously because on June 25th or so, 2009, Michael Jackson had passed. And we thought it was appropriate to do it uh, right at that time. And I remember that we even spoke about the many rumors that immediately had started swirling on the Internet that Captain E was going to come back you know, that month, that week. And it was gonna, they were going to bring it back for a week-long limited engagement. And I actually admit that I said that I hope that it didn't. I hope that it didn't come back for a short run right after he passed away because I didn't like the idea of almost seeming like it was capitalizing on his tragic death. But I'm going to admit now, too, that when they, they announced back in April that it was going to be coming back, I did whip out my old penny loafers and did a little moonwalk. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I wasn't there to witness that, but uh, I am also excited that they did follow through with it. It, it does show a different a change. The, the the parks in general have gone through a change where they're allowing nostalgia to be paid off a little bit. So this really was a nod to those people who were saying, yeah, we'd love to see that return. We'd love to see Michael Jackson moonwalking again. Uh, that would be a, a wonderful thing that they could add that's just been gone for many, many years, and you know, many people think that Honey, I Shrunk the Audience was getting a little long in the tooth, so maybe it was about time to bring something in just to uh, put a little life uh, to save the world, if we will. <laughs> and, and, you know, look, that, that's been a recurring theme as we've talked about this with Captain EO and even Summer Nightastic, is this return to nostalgia. And I know that there are Many of us who were very excited about Captain Neo coming back and when we saw it, and we'll talk about some of the energy that was in the room there. But I'm wondering if we're excited about simply nostalgia alone. And, you know, we'll talk about it as we go on today about what it's going to be like. How is that energy going to feel three months, six months, a year from now? Is that going to wane at all? What about the guest that hasn't been here in 10 years and comes up and doesn't really maybe pay attention to what's going on online and says, wow, Captain EO, man, Michael Jackson, when are they going to re- you know, get rid of this show? This thing is so right. 80s looking. Uh, I really wish they would update the pavilion. And, and we have new people coming to these parks all the time. And how many of these people 
don't even know the history at all and don't even think it's been there. They're going to go, oh, let's go see this thing. And they're going to look at it and say, well, the special effects in this thing are very subpar compared to what I'm used to. So for those people who are not aware that this is a return from something that played 20 years ago, how is that going to play? Yeah, and again, I think time is only going to tell. I mean, look, there are some people that are not happy about Captain Ear returning, not because... They are so probably in love with Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, but they said, look, if you're going to make a change, um, I say I almost broke out in a Michael Jackson song. If you're going to make a change for once in your life, do something different, you know, improve it, put something new in here. Don't just sort of dust something off and put it back. Right, right. I agree. Now, w- watching the show, the, the when we were able to watch it, having a group of people that were excited to see it made the experience so wonderful. How does it happen when you're in a theater that is not filled with that energy and with that uh, that fun and that excitement? Right, and and I want to go back, and I'm I'm going to see the show a number of times, not just because I enjoy it and because I do like Michael Jackson and the '80s music, but I want to almost watch the dynamic and the energy of the guests as opposed mm-hmm. to the film itself. The people who are coming in, I want to listen and eavesdrop on, on to, as to what they're saying, and then when they come out, I want to sit by that exit. And hear what that reaction is going to be from the guy that remembers seeing it back in 1990 to his eight-year-old kid who's either going to maybe love it or be like, Dad, that you know, my better graphics on my PSP or my iPhone 4 or whatever it is. <laughs> you're absolutely right. And if you're going to be sitting outside by the exit over listening, uh, trying to hear and listen in conversations, I don't want to be with you in case you get arrested or something. <laughs> Not in a stalkery, you know, bother oh, okay. the guest kind of way. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to be hiding behind trees or anything. But. Yeah, exactly. But if if you talk to somebody who was a Michael Jackson fan or a fan of the old Epcot or Captain EO and specifically, they're going to probably have one opinion of it and it most likely be a positive one. It's nice to see it again, all that. But are you also going to overhear from people who didn't care for Michael Jackson or or never had been on Captain EO or, or don't know of the old Epcot Center? What is their opinion going to be? Right. And look, you, you mentioned the energy when we saw it. It was on a me- media preview day, and they also invited uh, a couple of hundred cast members to come in and see it. So certainly there was a, a huge energy in the room because they were so excited to see it, many of whom had seen it before. Surprisingly, Glenn, a, a large number who hadn't seen Captain EO except maybe on YouTube. Right. But you know, there was a, a very much uh, a positive vibe and energy in the room. There were people who had rhinestoned white Mickey Mouse gloves and they had Captain EO shirts and Michael Jackson shirts. So they were very, very much into it. And many of the people that were watching it weren't even born when <laughs> it originally was playing at Epcot Center, which is another thing to consider, uh, you know. A large portion of them had not been born when they when uh, when Captain EO opened and were probably just toddlers by the time it closed. Thanks for reminding both of us how old we really are. So <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so the, uh, the the first thing that you notice when you walk in, obviously that the signage has been changed. Uh, you'll hear the story. I'm going to play some audio from some people that we spoke with. Uh, a great story about how they were able to find the old sign and put out. But inside the queue unless you visited Honey, I Shrunk the Audience all the time, you might not even realize some of the changes that took place there. There's new carpet, there's new signage. Um, again, subtle, but you know, along the walls are some great Captain EO visuals, uh, almost taking you back to that 
like you said, retro 80s Epcot Center. You can almost imagine right. the Mickey Mouse in his silver spacesuit. Yeah, exactly. They got rid of the, 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 the Imagination Institute is is not to be found in there any longer at this at this time. So that even uh, even all the way down to the carpet, they replaced the carpet again, which might be very subtle to people. But they had to get rid of it because they had that Imagination Institute uh, design on the carpeting. So all the way in from that point into the theater has been uh, rededicated, if you will. Yeah, and, and for those of, of fans who are very much about story and continuity, certainly the Captain EO film doesn't fit into the overriding theme of the Imagination Pavilion of the Imagination Institute but we're able to sort of suspend that that disbelief and just go and enjoy the show. Um, Correct. First, yeah. for, for the the level of changes, I was like, well, how different is it going to be? Did they change the film? You're seeing the exact same, albeit cleaned up, seventy millimeter print of the film. Um, the changes that I did see, Glenn, inside the theater, was that I, I obviously the sound was much better. They did add some. 4D effects to the film that weren't there before. There's a little bit more motion to it without sort of mm-hmm. spoiling it for everybody. Some of the old effects were not able to be replicated. And I remember some smoke and lasers and things like that, and that's what I did not see. When right, we saw it again. and I think uh, like the, especially the laser effects, I think were more prominent early on in the run of Captain EO, but after time, I think they became costly themselves or broken, so they, they were not there. Uh, any longer in this and the one major smoke effect it was missing but however it was changed there were things added that we did not expect right they used some of the 4d technology that they had put in for honey i shrunk the audience and were able to sort of integrate it into the show and i think it was great because we obviously had memories of the film and i think when we did the segment last year we watched it again and sort of prepared for it once again so we had (laughs) memories of what it was but it was a nice surprise for a lot of people when some of those things happened in the in the film not just there's there's some more color effects and things like that but some of the um some of the 4d <laughs> for lack right. of a better word effects and again if you remember back to honey i shrunk the audience some of the things that happened in and under the seats they are integrated into the this captain neo show Logically, logically integrated into the show as well. It, it's not just like randomly things don't just happen. They were able to find a place where that where that stuff will work out, and it it made sense. Yeah, there's not mice running through the theater in, in Captain right. EO. So, but and how did it compare for you? I mean, when you finally did get to sit down and see it, and again, we were so really excited, just being enthusiasts when we saw it. What was your initial reaction as you were watching it and after you saw it? Well, my initial reaction, of course, was uh, yeah, it's exactly how I remember it. <laughs> so it, it didn't have a it, it wasn't different than what I expected. It was an experience, and, and I guess uh, 1996 wasn't that long ago to some of us. You know, it, it, it seemed very fresh. The uh, there are times when the costuming and the makeup that was worn was very 1986, and that and that brought laughter there was a lot of laughter in the audience from because of things like that that you know something that would never have gotten a laugh in 86 now the audiences will look at the clothing designs and and think it's a laughable in a nostalgic way and i think disney had every intention of it being a nostalgic nod after all the uh the like the even in the pre-show 
they sort of mentioned, they say, look, we're going to show you exactly what it was like back in 1986. Let's take you back to 1986 so you can experience this again. So I think they were very aware that this would be a nostalgic trip. Yeah, and that's one of the things I really liked about it, too, was in the pre-show, it was very much of a backstage look at how Captain EO was created. And I like the fact that they sort of waited and they built up and you really don't get to see any images of Michael Jackson until the very end. And I think that when people saw him in the film and they saw him moonwalk and do some of his signature moves, it was evocative for some people. You know, we talked to some people that, you know, they cried because they were Michael Jackson fans and certainly missed him and his music and things like that. And again, those are some things that I wonder over time, will they continue to elicit those same kinds of emotions of not a mocking laughter, but a happy laughter and, you know, even sort of an emotional connection to Michael Jackson. Yeah, I I do wonder because, uh, you know, not everybody, especially near the end of his career, he he was very uh, polarizing. People had a a passionate love for him or a passionate, I don't want to deal with him. So, you know, where, where does the world that's going to visit Epcot Center stand in in that uh on that scale you think that's going to affect because disney hasn't given any sort of timeline for how long captain eo is going to remain do you think that might play into it do you think it's almost a let's get it out there let's wait and see i mean certainly glenn they've changed the carpets they've done some uh relatively you know cost costly changes it's not going to be here for two weeks three weeks a month do you think the guest reaction may play a part in determining how long Captain EO stays open? Well, I, uh, yes, to some extent, but I but I think that's going to be measured in a, a strange way because Michael Jackson is is top of mind for a lot of people right now. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is an old is is now a much older property, so. Which which one is a more relevant thing right now, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience or Captain EO with starring Michael Jackson? I would I would almost argue that Captain EO, even though it's not a Disney property, so to speak, as as the Honey, I Shrunk the the Kids series was, it is current because of the news and uh, because of his passing. Yeah, and I, and I can't wait to hear. I want what's the over under going to be on the first time some kid walks out and say. They ripped off Star Trek. That was so the Borg Queen, <laughs> not realizing what really came first. So. But yeah, you know, we talked about the question of, of it holding up today. Uh, for I think for Michael Jackson fans and 80s fans, uh, the music to a certain degree is very timeless. The one thing, when we walked out, there was Captain EO merchandise in a cart uh, at the bottom of the hill outside the pavilion. There were shirts, hats, very cool 80s retro buttons. One thing I know you and I talked about that we would love to have seen would be a CD of the music right. of We Are Here to oh, Change yes. the World. And the score, the James Horner score, is great. Right. I mean, his music, obviously, timeless as well. And there was also, in addition to James Horner's score, there's actually a, a, a subtle musical score that plays in the pre-show area before the video that is also that that almost similar to the uh, star music in in Space Mountain, a very spacey type of thing that would also be great to own on anybody's Disney loop. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, and we actually took some video, obviously not of the show because it's in 3D, um, but we took some video from 
the event that I'm going to put a link to in this week's show notes and share that with you as well. We were also, Glenn, able to get some interviews and some audio from some Imagineers who worked on the show, from Dan Cockrell, vice president of Epcot, and a couple of other guys who are Disney fans. Uh, They are truly stuck in the 80s. They host a Stuck in the 80s podcast, and I thought it was great to sort of get their impression as guys who very much have a, a connection between the two, but I, I very much want to invite people who remember Captain EO, who are now finally getting a chance to see Captain EO, whether it be again or for the first time, to come by and comment on this week's show notes at wdwradio.com. Let me let us know what you think uh, about the show, your memories, the changes, the future uh, of Captain EO, um, because I think it's going to be a very very interesting few months to see and uh, Glenn as always I enjoy doing these things with you even when we're not eating uh, <laughs> because they're a lot of fun and speaking of great movies you have to go over and check out Glenn's website prettygoodmovieride.com Glenn has not only recreated the original great movie ride and all of its iterations but his own take on uh, on a pretty good version of the movie ride I'll, I'll link that up as well Glenn Thanks as always, buddy. As pleasure as always. You're not going to let us out with another Michael Jackson, Captain EO line? I was setting I am, it up. I am moonwalking right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks again. So I'm here with Dan Cockrell, Vice President of Epcot. And Dan, another momentous day for Epcot. We get the return of an old friend. We are very excited. The cast today that got to see the first show, I knew they were going to be excited, but I didn't know that much energy was going to be in the room. And I think more than half of them have never seen it before. So we got a whole new generation of fans now. And that was the interesting thing when we heard that Captain EO was coming back was, sure, many of us who have ties to Disney going back so many years were excited about seeing something nostalgic returning, like the light parade and Captain EO. But we wondered... How would a new generation of fans take to a film that clearly, I mean, it screams 80, Michael Jackson, the special effects, the trench sequence, but you're right, the, the reaction and that energy from fans this morning is really exciting. Absolutely. We, uh, someone asked me, did we plan 16 years ago? You know, July 6th will be 16 years ago. We had our last show here. And uh, people asked me, did, you, did we plan on bringing it back someday? And I, at 16 years ago, I know no one was sitting around saying, yeah, probably in 16 years we're going to bring the show back, but it is timeless. I think the music... And people, it's very emotional for people, and uh, I think it's it's still. You know, not all our attractions are that way, but I'm sure the guests are coming to see it for the first time again. We're going to have a new generation of fans for 20, 30 years. Well, I think some of somebody, at least one guy in engineering, hoped it was going to come back because tell us how they saved the sign. Yeah, so when we decided to bring the show back, we were our Imagineering partners are very detail oriented. They really wanted to make sure it, it was the show was just like it was when it closed back in the '80s. And so we started looking for design drawings for some of the elements. And one of them was the marquee sign as you enter. And they were looking to reconstruct it. And Engineering heard about it and called us and said, "Well, I'll tell you what, you don't need to." worry about the design we have the sign so whoever took it down 16 years ago brought it back to the engineering workshop bolted it on the wall as a souvenir and it's been sitting there for 16 years i guess just waiting to come back so we unbolted it repainted it and put it back again so it's it is the exact sign and it's good that he didn't take it home or put it on ebay and was able to to save the sign instead you know the other thing too is this brings a, a new dynamic, especially to this part of Future World, a new type of energy. What do you think it sort of represents in sort of the grand scheme of, of what Captain EO means to, to Epcot? 
Well, I think first of all, it was the first place we had it. And so a lot of people remember their days at Epcot coming either with their parents when they're younger and, and, and seeing the show here. But uh, it's true. We're always looking to add new things and get a new buzz. And when people come back, they want new and exciting things to be happening. We're doing a lot in the World Showcase, and it's great to get some news up in Future World. And the film is original. The effects are a little bit enhanced. And again, the energy is as high today as it was back in 1986. So, Dan, congratulations. Looking forward to seeing Captain EO for many, many years to come. Thanks, Lou. Good seeing you. So I'm standing here with some real fans of the 80s, because these are the stuck in the 80s guys. Woo! The Twin Towers really stands, <laughs> and I'm standing in between them. Now i got to stand up straight. Thanks, oh, Lou. God, i got to stand on a step stool to talk to these guys. Sean Daly, Steve Spears, a.k.a. Spearsy from Stuck in the 80s podcast. How you doing, guys? Oh, awesome. We came out of there. Spearsy, uh, uh, came out of Cat Neo. Spearsy was crying. Admit it. <laughs> I was. I, I was cried. Cr I cried at the end. He actually came out and said, you know, we really can change the world. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? It was, no, but it was good. And we, I'll tell you, before we came here yesterday, we watched uh, Captain EO on YouTube. And I was like, oh, man, this is not holding up too well, you know? And I said something on Facebook kind of snotty about it, and people just pummeled me. But then in there, Disney has souped up its new sound system, uh, the, the new effects and stuff. I got sucked into it again. You I know, know you did, too. Yeah, yeah. well, seeing Michael Jackson coming up from the uh, floor to take the bridge, I mean, I was just like, I got chills. And it was great to hear everyone applaud. And, you know, it's really interesting. And, you know, Disney, what's well, been 16 years since right. it's been here, and... You know, the Disney-Michael Jackson partnership again, uh, it says a lot culturally, too, doesn't it? It says that, you know, we kind of believe in Michael again, and Disney's right. I don't know. I love it. I love that it's back. I, I was a huge fan. I was a big nostalgic guy. I was an 80s guy. So I was a Michael Jackson fan. I was going to wear my red leather thriller jacket today. It's a little <laughs> hot. I, you know, it wasn't for the heat. I would have had it on. <laughs> and I wondered, you know, after he passed away last year, we did a show on Captain Nino. I said, you know, great. It's going to hold up for the nostalgics that love it yeah. and miss the show. For the guest that's walking in today, what do you think? And I think by the reaction of the people you saw inside, it's totally going to hold up. Yeah, I think that uh, Michael Jackson's one of those guys that his legacy, despite all the things he went through, whether it's the plastic surgery or the charges against him, his legacy is going to be mighty. It's kind of there's, there's Frank Sinatra, there's Elvis Presley, and there's Michael Jackson. I'm, I'm serious about. Don't don't you know what? <laughs> don't give me your Spearsy. I know, I the Elvis. You. <laughs> he hates Elvis, he I know. Play. But I think, Michael, and already you're seeing it. And I think you said the other day that, like, I thought it would be, like, 10 years. Yeah, and that it's been a year. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jackson's back at Disney. It's tremendous. Yeah, and you can see, again, the reaction of people. Like you, some of us wept just a little bit when you, he came you out. You too? You guys are perfect for each other. You should date. <laughs> Good Lord, everyone's crying. <laughs> I wasn't crying. I was just happy you to cried, see. You cried, I know. I could hear you sobbing. You, you know I cried because I miss Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. <laughs> <laughs> you know how close my crying came to getting me the phone number of the girl sitting next to me? <laughs> yeah, I know. Spearsy always has a plan. Yeah, Michael Jackson would approve. I was always, you know, you're the smart one, man. Chicks dig the whole sentimental How thing. is he the smart? <laughs> One. This interview's over, Mangello. Anyway, look, we're going to have you on our show. We're going to have you on Stuck in the 80s, right? Awesome. I'd love to, All right, man. Home and away, baby. I definitely. Love it. Definitely, man. Woo. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, the guys from Stuck in the 80s, you can go check out their blog over at TampaBay.com. I'll link it up in the show notes. Guys, thanks very much. Right, thanks, we are here to change the world. I'm bad. You know it. <laughs> Mama say, Mama Sama, Mama Sama.
thank you all for continuing to send in your listener questions that are ranging from everything from dining, vacation planning, trivia, history, so much more, really running the gamut and hopefully helping not only you, but some of our other listeners as well. And it is time to once again open up the inbox, which, although it's still overflowing, I still want you to keep sending in your questions to be answered on the air at lou at wdwradio.com. And joining me once again, dare I say, as always, the, uh, the, the Sammy to my Henry, Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. I'm really afraid to ask about that. Um, hi, it's great to be back, Lou. So you know neither who Sammy nor Henry is, do you? <laughs> That's sad. It's been a long day. Um, I, I will completely just put it to old age and my brain is somewhere else. I'll just ask you this. Uh-huh. Have you ever even heard of the Country Bear Jamboree? <laughs> You'll, yes, okay. of course. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Henry is the host. Sammy's a little yes. raccoon on his head. Anyway. And the, and the chick that comes down from the ceiling. And, Teddy Barra, and... who, by the way, yes. you know, it's subtly hinted that Teddy Barra and Henry, maybe boyfriend and girlfriend. But let's move on because um, I'm you getting know, way say, deep into the story of, of that, that's, the That's like. TMZ stuff. Moving on. <laughs> it's not TMZ stuff. It's <laughs> the backstory to the Country Bear Jamboree, which I'm going to assume you have no idea what that is since you don't even know who Henry is. But I, listen, <laughs> poor Justin Baden, or Baden, has been waiting so long for to have his question answered. Let's quickly move into it. He says, Lou, absolutely love the podcasts and the videos. I listen regularly and I've been working my way back through the archives. Great stuff. Truly appreciate the content you provide and the genuine care in which you create and deliver it. Well, thank you, Justin. The passion is evident and inspirational. Thank you. No, no. Thank you. Now, for a few questions. Hope you don't mind. My kids and I are huge Nightmare Before Christmas fans, and we've been excited about visiting the Haunted Mansion in Walt Disney World to see the holiday overlay. But I recently discovered it's only at Disneyland and Tokyo Disneyland. Upon further research... He found on Wikipedia some information talking about the holiday overlays in Disneyland and Tokyo, etc. So on to the questions. Do you have any background on why Walt Disney World chose not to implement the nightmare holiday overlay? And if Wikipedia is correct, as Wikipedia always is, of course, did they plan (laughs) to do it but had a change of heart? And if so, why the change? Any insight you can provide will be much appreciated. Thanks, Justin. So... What he's talking about, if you're not familiar with Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, they close the Haunted Mansion for a relatively long period of time to do what they call their Nightmare Before Christmas overlay, in which the attraction really changes in both look and in story and characters and story from Nightmare Before Christmas is literally laid over and replaces some aspects of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion that obviously takes place throughout the uh, Halloween and holiday season. And what he's asking for is, is Walt Disney World ever going to do it? And if not, why? And, uh, and I think, Justin, and this is purely my opinion, the answer is no. Um, and I think because Disneyland and Walt Disney World are not just very separate and distinct theme parks, They are different experiences. I think they both appeal to different crowds for the most part. And I'm not, and I don't mean to overgeneralize, but Walt Disney World, um, because of its location, because of its size, is much more of a vacation destination 
If you've been to Disneyland, you know a lot of people that visit Disneyland are local, which means they visit Disneyland quite often. And by doing so, they've seen the Haunted Mansion. They have access to the Haunted Mansion whenever they want because it's right in their backyard. When I was there, you saw kids literally coming after school. That's where they go to hang out is in Disneyland. Oh, to have that in my backyard. (laughs) Walt Disney World, very different. And Becky, you know, the people who are coming to Walt Disney World may be coming once every three, five years. That's kind of on average when people go. Maybe it's even once a year. So I think what would happen is if people came to Walt Disney World and their favorite or one of their favorite classic attractions like the Haunted Mansion was A, either closed or B, was changed and themed to a movie that maybe not everybody in the world is completely in love with. I think, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas has very much a cult-like following, maybe especially even more so on the West Coast. I've tried to love the movie. I can't as much as I love Halloween. So some people might be disappointed with the fact that their classic Haunted Mansion was taken over. And I think that would hold true for some other classic rides in Walt Disney World. If there was a a holiday-themed Pirates overlay or, you know, a Easter-themed spaceship if the yeti was dressed in you know like the easter bunny people and i'm obviously (laughs) exaggerating for effect but i think in walt disney world because it is that destination because it's people have waited so long i mean look how people upset they were when space mountain was closed for simple refurbishment yeah and you know you're you're so right and it there's total justification for not bringing it over and, and that makes total sense. But I got to say, it's so cool. <laughs> if you've never seen it, try to get out to Disneyland and, and experience it because I was able to get out there for the very first time last October and I had to ride it over and over and over just to take it all in because it really is an exciting, phenomenal job that they do on this. But as you said, it takes time. And um, I, I got to experience seeing Zero over and over and over again. So for me, while you weren't able to really get into it, I really enjoyed it. And it's something that y- you got to see once. I, I disagree. And, and look, they do a phenomenal job. I haven't seen it in person yet. I've only watched it online. Certainly can't do it justice. Um, no online video ever can. And it is something I, I would like to see. But I imagine the family that comes down that's familiar with the haunted mansion yeah. that the father tells his kids oh you're gonna love this attraction where do you see this scene and that scene and they walk in and they see something with maybe characters that their kids are not familiar with you know not yeah. every kid knows the, the the movie or the story of nightmare before christmas i know my kids who are four and six they just can't watch it they just didn't um it's not really for them yet or just not something that appealed to them so i think that might play into it as well that being said, mm-hmm. road trip, research trip to Disneyland for the holidays, I'm all over it. All right. You and me, we're, we're doing it. <laughs> we are going to, to, to see the overlay in Disneyland. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I totally agree with you that especially for Disney World, it probably for all the justifications and all the points that you made, it does make sense not to go there. But again, I think it's very special. And personally, I, I think it's, it's worth the trip to Disneyland to see. Yeah. And I can't imagine... Um, really any attraction in Walt Disney World. They'd be like, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a holiday over. I mean, they did it with the Country Bear Jamboree for a number of years. Um, we know that you've obviously never seen that show, so it doesn't matter. Um, wow. <laughs> but again, they stopped <laughs> doing that. Um, but it didn't change the show. It didn't change the characters. It changed the music, it changed some of the, the costumes and scenery, but it wasn't sort of a wholesale 
character change and story change um, like the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. You and me in October. Uh, people are going to talk. Anyway, <laughs> Ed says, hello, Lou. I just read that the organ in the ballroom of the Haunted Mansion in the Magic Kingdom is the same organ played by Captain Nemo, James Mason, in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Is it true? Or is the organ just a replica of the prop from the movie and not an actual prop itself? Let me preface this by saying, Becky, have you ever seen 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? And do you know who James Mason is? I do know who James Mason is. And I have seen parts of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. But, But let me ask you, though, isn't the one in Disneyland the original? In yeah. Haunted Mansion. Before I answer that, just sing Whale of a Tale. Just a couple of bars. I'm not singing on this podcast. Kirk you Douglas. You have to pay me to sing. Kirk Douglas. Classic, classic movie, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Love I'll it. Anyway, for you later. Mm-hmm. But you are correct. The Yay. one in Disneyland is actually right from the film. It is the actual organ played by Nemo in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Duplicates, and I say plural, were built for other haunted mansions, including the first one over in Walt Disney World. So it is an exact replica, but it is not the original piece of Hollywood filmmaking history. Hey, now what's really impressive about this is that my Adventure by Disney guides are going to be impressed that I remembered that fact. Because <laughs> they told us this on the backstage <laughs> magic tour. Sorry, moving on. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Great question. Again, loving that attention to detail, Ed. Great question. Oh, yeah. Next question comes. Now, we've had questions from the UK, from Australia, from Japan, China. This one comes all the way from Dusseldorf, Germany, and it's from Miriam. And she says, hello, Lou. Greetings from Germany. And Becky, please, unlike the last email section, they don't say hola there. I think they say guten tag or something. That's the closest, that's the best German I can do. Anyway. The word of the, word of the day then is Guten Tag and or Pretzel und Beer. October, Summerfest. Summerfest. Summerfest? Summerfest? Summerfest. Octoberfest. Have you ever been to World Showcase? Anyway, Summerfest <laughs> in Germany. Anyway, greetings from Germany to you and all your listeners. First of all, thank you so much for your emphasis from her. For your weekly show, you do such a great job. I can't always, I always can't wait to hear the next show because that gives me the feeling of not so being of not being so far away from the world, which unfortunately I am. Anyway, uh, she also says she loved the interview with Art the Greeter. She never was at the beach club, but it brought tears to her eyes. And so did Art. Um, On to her questions. She says, I'm going to visit Walt Disney World in early 2010, her 13th time. And she wants to make some dinner reservations for her and her boyfriend. What do we think of her choices, respectively, and which one would you choose? Cuisina, the Wave, or the San Angel Inn? We'll take these one at a time. Cuisina or the Wave, San Angel Inn. You know what's funny is that personally, I'm I'm kind of drawn to the Wave. I I like the Wave. I, I like the all right the atmosphere in the bar. Sorry, <laughs> but I I like the menu. I think it's it has a, a very updated menu and um, just a, a place that I enjoy. So she's going for dinner. Um, I, I agree. I just wanted to you know, look and see. Um, I do like the wave for dinner. The food is very, very fresh. Um, uh, some unique items there. The sustainable fish is always very, very good. 
The food is very light, very healthy as well. They also have a great wine menu, drink menu, and dessert mm-hmm. menu. Cuisina uh, is something new. I've been to Cuisina twice. I like it. It's a very, very different type of flavor. Um, the, the flavors are a little richer. They're a little spicier. Uh, right. Very much Greek Mediterranean influenced. Certainly San Angel in completely opposite side of the spectrum. Mexican food, which too... Uh, they've revamped that menu over the past number of years. And I did a, a live review on the show not too long ago, and we were really, really impressed with it. Um, you're coming from Germany. You're going with your boyfriend the 13th time. Yeah. How about one of each? How about one of each? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to, um, I'm going to suggest in order the wave Cuisina and San Angel and not taking away from any of them. I think each has their own, you know, different appeal, but just to try something new and different, you probably haven't eaten at the wave yet. I'd suggest going there. Yeah. I think Cuisina has a, a very unique Mediterranean cuisine, which either people really, really love or are kind of on the edge about. So take, make sure that you take a look at the menus uh, beforehand, before you make your decision, just to make sure that it's going to, going to fit. But uh, I, again, I would probably as well put the way first. And no matter which of the two you go to, and again, you can't, I, I think I, I love Cuisina and believe it or not, two words, Brussels sprouts. The Brussels sprouts at Cuisina are like candy. What I would definitely... Oh, they're phenomenal. They are phenomenal. Um, What you should do, since you're trying someplace new, you and your boyfriend, order something different. Everybody order something a little bit different and share. So you do get a sampling of all the different flavors. Now, on to the second part of her question. I guess maybe she made up her mind already. She says, having dinner at 635 at Cuisina, <laughs> will, will there I be enough time <laughs> to, left, uh, left to walk over to World Showcase to see Illuminations? That is a loaded question, Miriam, because you're asking people that take six and a half hours to eat dinner. For most normal human beings, yes, you know, two and a half hours will be plenty of time to eat at Cuisina, um, have a nice leisurely meal, have a drink, have dessert walk your way over to World Showcase and see uh, uh, Illuminations. Not a problem at all. Not at all. That's a great time, actually. Or and, a great uh, timing. You asked about the meat of the month dates. As yet, um, there's actually, I'll link right in the show notes. Um, I always link to the page where all the upcoming meats of the month are. I usually try and plan them out two, three months in advance. Would love to meet you, and hopefully your boyfriend, in Walt Disney World. And if you want to go have dinner, we can go have dinner together. Um, moving on. The next question comes from Erin, and she says, Lou, we booked a trip to Walt Disney World this year, and we're hoping to hit Winter Summerland while we were there. Good job, Ellen. Love Winter Summerland. Go back, listen to the show. We did a DSI on Winter Summerland eons ago. I've heard that the best way to get there is to take the bus to Blizzard Beach and just walk over. It is right next door. The problem is, when we go, Blizzard Beach may be closed for refurbishment. And I guess there won't be a bus route during that time. Are there any other bus stops near Winter Summerland? Thanks for a great show. Don't thank me yet until you hear our answer, Aaron. Becky? Lou? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know what? It, unless Disney's all, always been really good about redirecting when they've had things closed for refurb. So... I know in the past you could take a bus, this is going to sound incredibly complicated, but you could take a bus to Coronado Springs and hop an Epcot bus and notify the driver of the stop. But 
I'm not sure if that's still the case or if there's a better option. Now, mm-hmm. all I was able to find was information that said once Blizzard Beach closes um, mm-hmm. and up until nine o'clock at night, you can you should take the bus. There's a route that stops at All Star, Blizzard Beach, and Epcot, and supposedly that bus bus will take you to Winter Summerland. I would, Aaron, I would absolutely mm-hmm. check with your bus driver or with your front desk to be sure if in fact Blizzard Beach is closed, what the best r- bus route is uh, to head on over there for, because I wouldn't want you to sort of be going around in circles or have to walk six miles to uh, yeah. to get over there. Uh, on this one, don't listen to us. <laughs> go go to the, the front desk and ask the cast members because, you know, as they, um, as they do their routing, things change with timing and uh, it's very fluid. So it might be different this week and it, then the routing will be next week as well. And, and I'm sure that they have a method to get guests over to Winter yeah. Summerland. So definitely check with your concierge or your front desk person. Moving on. Andrew Phillips says, hey, Lou, first of all, would love to say thank you for the show. Great fun. Always very informative. Keeps the magic going all the way over here in the UK. I love getting questions from overseas. Don't know why they look exactly the same as emails from America, but (laughs) I'm looking forward to returning to Walt Disney World in August 2010. And for the past two years, we've stayed at Port Orleans Riverside. But I understand they will no longer have the trundle beds. I can't book that hotel on UK site as it says it has no rooms for our party size. Two adults, three children, ages 10, 7, and 5. Do you know if Port Orleans is really getting rid of the trundle beds? And if so, where else would you recommend staying? Thanks in advance, Andrew Phillips. This would be total news to me because I haven't heard anything about the trundle beds going away. As far as I know, they're still in the rooms at Riverside or at select rooms at, at Riverside. So this kind of has me shaking my head. I, too, was not able to find anything conclusive, Andrew, about the fact that they are getting rid of the trundle beds. My understanding is that they are the only resort yeah. that has the trundle beds, which sort of they, they pull out from underneath a, a larger bed. They're only available, too, from what I understand, in some of the alligator bayou rooms. Um, right. I have not been able to confirm that, in fact, they are going away. Now, hopefully that, that is good news for you as you are looking for those rooms. Obviously, as you get closer to booking, um, I would certainly try and uh, either get somebody online or if you have a travel provider, they may be able to contact Disney for you and find out exactly if that's the case or not. Yeah, seriously, we've been booking Riverside, and that's one of the most popular of the moderate resorts for the larger families because that resort is the only one that can accommodate um, five people in a room when you have smaller kids, of course, that can fit that trundle bed. So I'd be really surprised if it was going away. Yeah, and if anybody else has the answer to that, please, by all means, let us know. I'll post it on the site or I'll follow up this question either um, on the site or in the, in the, um, on the show. Next question is from Karen Drum, and Karen starts off by saying, Lou, I have a real doozy of a question. Great. A little scary, right? (laughs) I hope you can help. She says, I went to Walt Disney World the first week in December, and I purchased a Magic Your Way package with a five-day hopper pass. Becky, it's time to get out your calculator. No math. I'm going again in June, and that time, I plan to use a four-day hopper pass with four fun visits that I got from Disney in response to a letter that she wrote about bad bus service. She'll be adding a day or two 
onto that four-day hopper pass. So our question, and yes, this is a doozy, would it actually be cheaper or even possible for her to upgrade everything, the five-day Magic Away and the four-day ticket from Disney to an annual pass or just leave it all as is and add the days to the ticket that she's using on the June trip? Okay, let me get out the abacus and a couple of, you know, honestly, I think, and as I'm trying to do math quickly in my head, which of course is a failure, um, you should be able to upgrade all the passes towards an annual pass using the value that's left on each one. And especially if you think you're, you can, or you'll return to take advantage of the annual pass, I would say go for that. I would, that, that was not just because it's the easiest answer to say get an annual pass, but because of all the benefits that you get with an yeah. annual pass, you get the discounts on the rooms, you get, you can get a tables and wonderland card, you get discounts on some things around property. Uh, I would highly suggest going, taking those tickets, using that credit towards an annual pass. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And again, too, it's, it's an easy answer. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Next email is from Pam Smith, hopefully not a doozy, but she says, Hey, Lou, first I had to write and tell you thank you for sharing your, your joy of Disney. Maybe it's because we're paisanos. She says, My maiden name is Martolio, but your podcasts and audiobooks resonate in me. It's so clear from hearing your voice and seeing the expression on your face, much like the one I have now, that you truly love what you are talking about. Uh, you added your tone. Your attitude is just right. I've been searching for a while to find that right Disney fix. So thank you. Well, Pam, you're off to an awesome start, by the way, with this email. And thank you. <laughs> On to my question. We are a family of four, two girls, ages six and eight. We've stayed both on property and off and definitely prefer the convenience and the atmosphere of being on property. Last time we rented a two bedroom villa at Wilderness Lodge from a DVC member. And we absolutely loved it. I've never stayed at another Disney property, so I'd like to try something different next time, but love the convenience and the theming of the villas at Wilderness Lodge so much that I'm not sure if we can find anything better. What is your opinion of the other Magic Kingdom resorts? Are they just as convenient to get to and from the Magic Kingdom as Wilderness Lodge, or are the monorails far too crowded at park closing? How does Bay Lake Tower compare to Wilderness Lodge is it as special? And finally, if we were to stay at one of the Magic Kingdom resorts that does not offer villas, would we be able to have adjoining rooms? Thanks so much. That's Pam, formerly Martolio Smith from Lafayette, Indiana. So, all right. <laughs> first things first, Pam, you know it. We agree with you a thousand percent about Wilderness Lodge. Certainly the villas there uh, are wonderful, beautiful theming, location, restaurants, everything. But what do you think, Becky, about the other Magic Kingdom resorts? How do they compare? And maybe let's rank them in order of your preference. Wow. Well, of course, I'm, I'm very much uh, fixated on Bay Lake Towers because she's talking about Bay Lake Towers in comparison to, to the Wilderness Lodge. Um, so are we sticking to DVC? Or are we talking about all of the... Well, I think she wants to know ab about the resorts in general. Uh, and because she says if, they're not, if they don't offer villas, yeah. can they stay in adjoining rooms? Which Got I believe okay. is, it, it, I believe that the answer to that question is yes. There are. Yeah, let, let's let's ad let's address that one first because it is really important. If you choose one of the standard resorts, one of the deluxe resorts with standard rooms, you can always request connecting rooms 
they do their very best to accommodate those requests, but they will not 100% guarantee it. So if it's a major concern, you absolutely want to have connecting rooms and it just would ruin your vacation if you don't have a, a connecting door, then I would say stick with your, your villas. Um, again, they do their best to accommodate it and usually they can, but they won't guarantee it. So, you know, don't let that, that ruin things. Um, hopping back to Bay Lake Towers really quickly, where you're asking about, is it a special? It of course is an, a different type of theming. Wilderness Lodge has its own unique experience and its own unique theming. And you feel like you're being transported to a whole nother world outside of uh, Florida when you're staying there. Bay Lake Towers, of course, is a much more contemporary, wonder where that word comes from, um, look and feel to it. I particularly like the one or two bedroom units. Obviously, the Grand Villas are, are beautiful. I'm not so impressed with the um, with the studio rooms because you have basically two beds uh, that you can choose from when you include the double bed and the pullout. So that's not going to be a good option for you anyway. But I do really like um, Bay Lake Towers, especially those wonderful Magic Kingdom view rooms. <laughs> so, yes. From a perspective of wanting to try something new, being being within walking distance to the Magic Kingdom, which is kind of nice, I do like Bay Lake Towers for that for that reason. Now, we are either becoming all too familiar or you're reading my notes because I, too, the first thing I focused on was Bay Lake Tower. And first things first, very, very different type of experience than Wilderness Lodge. Wilderness Lodge is very warm. It's very cozy. The contemporary is very ultra modern, and you will mm -hmm. see that especially in the rooms. I do agree with you about the studios in Bay Lake Tower. Um, they are a little on the snug side. I mean, come on, they're odd. They're, okay. <laughs> the, 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 the thing about the, the studios at Bay Lake, and you just have to sort of get past it mentally, is when you walk in, on the left or the right will be your water closet, as it were. But beyond that is this little sort of cubby hole. And on one side is your bathroom sink. And on the other side is your microwave and your kitchen sink. So looking as you're shaving or washing your face in the bathroom mirror, brushing your teeth, you will look <laughs> in the mirror and see behind you the microwave and the coffee pot, which is a little disconcerting when it I was there. Is. I'm like, am I, did I, am I sleeping? Am I in the wrong room? Am I brushing my teeth in the kitchen? Um, that was a little strange, but I mean, the rooms are very well appointed and plasma TVs and everything else like that. Um, if you love the Wilderness Lodge and that theming, and I, and I think probably that warmth and that feel, you might actually enjoy something like the Polynesian right. a little bit more because of how the longhouses are decorated, because of how the rooms are appointed. And again, the rooms there... Uh, Recently, over the past few years, like all the other ones, have been upgraded. They are beautiful. The, the grounds and the gardens and the pool and the volcano, the dining options at the Polynesian are wonderful. You've got the beach. You can sit out there, watch wishes right from the beach uh, with a drink or a Dole Whip in your hand, if that's your thing. That may be something that you prefer more. Um, I think, too, you can get adjoining, like you said, you can ask for adjoining rooms there. I don't think the monorail should be a consideration at all. I think the monorail is an attraction in and of itself. I think you and your kids would love being on the monorail line. Um, it, it is very, very convenient. You also have the watercraft that you can take back and forth. I love taking the boat from the Polynesian 
across uh, the Seven Seas Lagoon to the front of the Magic Kingdom. I, I just think it's wonderful, especially early morning or at dusk. I think it's absolutely beautiful out there. So my recommendation in order probably would be for you and your family. And, and if you don't like it, I'm sorry. It just you're asking for opinion. Uh, there is no right or wrong answer here. You're, you're going to do well with all of them. I would probably put the Polynesian first. I'd put the Contemporary slash Bay Lake second. And the Grand Floridian, I know, the, the flagship of the Disney Resorts, I'm putting last on the list only because your girls are six and eight. And it is maybe a little bit more formal than the other resorts. I think there's something very fun about the Polynesian. Not that the, the Grand Floridian's not fun, but um, your, you and your girls and your family might enjoy the Polynesian a little bit more based on how much you love Wilderness Lodge. You know, and I'm pretty much in complete agreement with you for the exception of I might actually flip the the Bay Lake Towers if they were, again, staying in a one or two bedroom unit first up front, um, only, again, because of the the uh, uh, amenities that you're going to get in those locations, which, of course, the, um, the washer and dryer is always handy to have, um, the easy access over to the contemporary for those restaurants. Um, and then if that consideration of having that absolutely having to have a connecting door i would then steer towards bay lake towers first and polynesian second you know how i can tip the scales towards the polynesian don't you oh geez how (laughs) captain cook's 24 hours dole whip machine you know that would do it but then again (laughs) the other thing too is and i do agree with you is the um the theming because if they did enjoy the wilderness lodge where it does take you to a world outside of florida like you said the polynesian will do that as well because when you get in there you hear the 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 drums and you hear the the music and the whole atmosphere um it it really does kind of transport you to a different location so if you want to try something new still have that transported feeling polynesian's a great idea see i knew i'd change your mind anyway (laughs) <laughs> that whole connecting door, it's that whole guarantee thing. Because I know, especially when you have um, small children, you want to make sure that, you know, your kids are going to be able to be right there and not have to worry about splitting the parents between the, the two rooms, which, you know, it's rare, but it does happen. So, Pam, Pam that's listen, the thing that's right in there. Volcano Pool, Tonga Toast, Ohana, oh. free hula lessons in the afternoon, you had to go to Tonga Toast. You had to go to Tonga Toast. Listen, you know, you always have to keep an ace in the hole just in case. So, all right. Finally, a quick question comes from Frank. And he starts off by saying, Lou, first I want to say thanks for all the great podcasts and the live stream from D23. That was great. Frank, I agree. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Love doing that from home in the parks. and, And if D23 happens again, you better believe we will be there again. But Frank's question is this. My wife and I are going to Walt Disney World for the week, and we were wondering if you know if either Wally or Lucky the Dinosaur audio animatronics would be appearing then. And that's from Frank. Frank, I once again have good news and bad news for you. Um, and the bad news is I don't have a lot of good news for you. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Lucky has moved on, and he is no longer in Orlando. And there is no... Wally walk slash roll around character, at least in the parks. Now, we did see that one at D23, which was incredibly, incredibly impressive. Unfortunately, he has not, and at least current plans are not to bring him as a walk around character to the parks for a variety of reasons. These are all part of what Disney terms their living character initiative. 
What I do think, Frank, is that you are going to see other characters and new characters coming in on this sort of walk around. Remember the Muppet Mobile Labs that we had a couple of years ago? Right now, sort of Remy is the one that comes to mind of, of the, the current living character initiative. He's over in Le Chef de France. He literally goes from table to table, um, and he's absolutely wonderful if you hadn't had a chance to see him. But unfortunately, neither Lucky nor Wally, from what I understand, will be around at all anytime this year. I, I do know where you can see Lucky, just not in a park. That would be? Do I know something that you don't know? No, but I'm sure this is going to be some <laughs> sort of plug for Mouse Fan Travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if I can work one in. Actually, the, the last time that I got to see Lucky in person was at Imagineering on the uh, Adventures by Disney Backstage <laughs> Magic Tour, which you can book through Mouse Fan Travel. <laughs> <laughs> I set you up and you knocked them down. There you go. Excellent. So. Glad and, that I could do that. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, that actually, we should talk about Adventures by Disney one of these days because there is so much to talk about and you want to talk about incredible experiences. So, and Frank or anywhere else, if you want an incredible vacation experience, who better than to have Becky and her team of agents over at Mouse Fan Travel book your trip to Walt Disney World, your Adventures by Disney vacation. They'll get you to Disneyland. Come on the Disney Dream with us in 2011 or any of the other Disney Cruise Line cruises. You can find the link right at www.radio.com or go visit mousefantravel.com. And as always, Becky Mankin, my friend, a pleasure having you join me on the email segment. Where are you taking me for dinner next? Why do you always have to end it that way? Why can't you say, you know what, Lou, this was a lot of fun. I would love Goon to take time? you I would love to take you to Cuisina so you could show me the joy that is Kat Cora's Brussels sprouts. That's okay. Got it. Works for me. Where are you taking me to dinner next? <laughs> Third pound Angus burger at Pecos Bills. You got it. You are on. It's a date. I can handle that one. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for tuning in this and every week. Thanks go out to all of my guests this week, including Glenn Whalen, Dan Cockrell, Vice President of Epcot, the cast over at Captain EO and the Imagineers who spoke with us, told us a little bit about the Reimagineered show, Sean Daly, Steve Spears from Stuck in the 80s, I'll link up to their show and their blog in this week's show notes, and of course, Becky Menken from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. You can check them out over at mousefantravel.com. I have more from Captain EO that I'll link up in this week's show notes, including the Stuck in the 80s guys post about it. I have the script from Captain EO that I'll link up, as well as our discussion from last year on our Wayback Machine segment that Glenn and I talked about when we first went back and looked at the entire history and the details and the making of Captain EO. If you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or to comment on the show, go visit the website at wdwradio.com, comment in the show notes, over on the forums, on the fan page, over on Facebook, or call in, leave a voicemail that I'll play on the air at 888-703-2171. 
While you are on the site at www.radio.com, be sure and check out our daily blog posts, new videos, photo galleries, discussion forums, sign up for a free email newsletter, and look on the right-hand side for all the different ways to connect with me and the show through Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and there's even a link where you can go and subscribe to the show or review the show over in iTunes. A couple of quick announcements. Don't forget that July's Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World is going to be Saturday, July 24th. It's going to be at the Contempo Cafe, the fourth floor of Disney's Contemporary Resort. So if you don't have a park ticket or you're a seasonal pass holder, you don't have to worry about getting into the parks. Thought we would do it outside the parks, but inside the air conditioning this month. It's going to be at 11 o'clock. We'll be there for a few hours. Come by, hang out, say hi, meet other Disney fans as well. If you are going to come, please come by RSVP on the Facebook fan page or in the forums. You can find a link to that as well as more information about upcoming meets over at meetofthemonth.com. There you can find out information about the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet just about a month away. That's August 14th in Linwood, Washington. Destination D, we are setting up an event for that September 24th and 25th out in Disneyland, which should be a lot of fun. Congaloosh is October 8th through the 12th. I'll be there with Jim Corcus. We'll both be giving individual tours. There's a dinner and a show by the Adventures Club cast after the park closes on the stage of the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. There's a banquet, Q&A, show and sale, lots, lots more. You can find information about that on that page as well. And of course, don't forget about the WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream, February 27th, 2011. I will be doing a show in the near future talking more about that cruise, a little bit about cruising in general, and also answering your questions. So if you have any questions about cruising on a Disney cruise or specifically about the WDW Radio Cruise on the Disney Dream, what's going on before or after, email me your questions at lou at wdwradio.com and we'll answer them on the show and share them with all the other listeners. Also, too, if you want to play Listener Factor Fiction, have a chance for me to call you up randomly, ask you 10 true or false trivia questions about Walt Disney World, email me at that same address, include your name, but also include your phone number. Because who knows, I may pick your name randomly, call you at an unspecified time, give you a chance to win some prizes. Thanks to everybody who came by the WDW Radio Live video broadcast and chat. I did this past Friday, sort of impromptu, decided on Friday afternoon that it's been too long since I had a chance to talk and interact with the people in the box. But I will be doing another one again very, very soon, either from my house or from Walt Disney World. Best way to find out about upcoming WDW Radio live events is to follow me over on Twitter or join the fan page over on Facebook. Again, links to all those right on the homepage of WDWRadio.com. Celebrations Magazine, if you want to subscribe, order back issues, or contribute, visit CelebrationsPress.com. Thanks again to my sponsors, including Becky over at Mouse Fan Travel and the team over at All Star Vacation Homes, which has private homes and condos within five miles of Walt Disney World. You find a link on the homepage to allstarvacationhomes.com as well. Stay tuned for an announcement as to a release date on the Liberty Square Audio Guide to Walt Disney World. In the meantime, you can go to the site, order the other audio guides to Walt Disney World, including Main Street, Fantasyland, and Adventureland, and signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books, and get a link to where you can download the free WDW Radio iPhone app. 
That is going to do it for this week's show. Again, thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening to the show. Share it on Facebook. Post in other forums. And please come by if you like the show and review it in iTunes. And most importantly, my friends, I hope you had a very safe and happy 4th of July weekend. Take this time to take a first step towards pursuing your passion and following your dream because life is too short. And when you get on that path, always, always keep moving forward. Have a great, great week, everybody. Thanks again for listening. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Mark Tech from Final Lake, Wisconsin. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Just wanted to let you know how well your last two shows uh, worked together uh, with me. Uh, one of my first memories with uh, at Walt Disney World was with my father, and uh, we sat and watched Cinderella's Carousel. And he was a mechanical engineer for an insurance company, so he uh, would go over all the details of the inner workings and, and the detail of the horses, and, and that's just one of my, uh, my first memories at Walt Disney World. So your last two shows uh, came together that way. Uh, and uh, brought back some good memories. And even to this day, I still, uh, far more than riding it, I still enjoy just sitting and, and watching the carousel and looking at the at the gorgeous horses and just marveling at the engineering that's involved in, in the carousel. Thanks for uh, another great show. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is uh, Brian from Philadelphia, and I'm actually calling to apologize. I have to admit, when I first uh, heard that the show this week was going to be uh, an hour on the uh, carousel, I thought, boy, ho-hum. I love the carousel, but I couldn't imagine an hour talking about it. But I have to admit, it was actually one of, I think, your best shows. It was really, really interesting to hear all the history, all that went into it. Um, Jim Corkins is, is truly an amazing individual, and uh, boy, what, the stories that man can tell are incredible. And uh, you know, what great radio, uh, what a great uh, uh, show you have that uh, you're able to bring him on and, and uh, let us hear what he has to say. Uh, but I was very impressed with the show, and uh, never doubt you again. Uh, and uh, look, at, I, I also it's great to hear that the uh, carousel is from Philadelphia. So uh, real proud of that. Uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, to the crew. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou. It's Denise. Hi for Mommy on the forums. I just got finished listening to your uh, show about the carousel, regardless of what the name of it is, uh, is now. And I just wanted to thank you for such wonderfully detailed information. Of course, I love every show that Mr. Corpus is on because of the details. But I also wanted to let you know that if I, it's the first time I ever laughed out loud at a podcast, but the whole concept of the carousel formerly known as Prince just had me laughing completely hysterically. So anyway, thanks for a wonderful show. Bye. Hello, Lou. This is John from Madison, Wisconsin. We just checked out of the Port Orleans French Quarter, had a terrific week at the world, uh, despite all the amazing heat and humidity. It was uh, quite a deal, but it was still a terrific time. Uh, A couple of observations I wanted to give to folks and give them suggestions. If you're looking for some good food, I thought I'd give you my 
top five uh, things that we ate over the last uh, several days at Walt Disney World. Uh, starting off with number five being the hummus that's on the shawarma platter at the Tangerine Cafe in Morocco at Epcot is fabulous. It's uh, got a real complex flavor to it. You can taste the citrus flavor and the hummus. It's really good. Uh, number four is the beignets at the Port Orleans French Quarter and the Sassagoula Floatworks. Uh, they make them to order, so any time of day when we checked in, we checked in about 3 in the afternoon, ordered some right away, and they just dropped them right away, so they were fresh and hot. And uh, they're really a great experience if you haven't had beignets. Uh, number three, the swordfish at Narcusi's was fabulous. If you can splurge on a nice meal out, folks, I would consider Narcusi's. It was, uh, up till then, my favorite was the swordfish over at the California Grill, but uh, this swordfish was just perfect. Um, the number two for us was the carrot cake cookie. I'm not a fan of carrot cake. I'm not a fan of cookies, and we craved this snack all week long after trying it on Monday. It is really worth the trip over to the studios at the writer's stop. And then number one, the best thing we ate last week was the salmon at Raglan Road. It was the best salmon we ever had in our lives, and I don't know if we got lucky or if it's always that good, but it's definitely worth a try because it was just phenomenal. had a nice crisp edge to it on the, on the thin side, and it was so juicy and tender all the way through. So thanks for the great show, and have everybody have a great week. Hey, Lou and everybody else. Um, it's Josh. Um been quite a while since I called in, but uh, school, well, school's been out. I just uh, felt bad about not calling, but I've been listening lately, and uh, I like the shows. Um, um, lately, I've been listening to them while I uh, mow the lawn, and with uh, six acres, uh, you know, between you and Jay Giles' band, time, uh, it goes by pretty quick, but um, I just wanted to say we, my family was considering a vacation to WDW, but uh, we, um, finally decided on going to Washington, D.C., so we're planning on, uh, I'm going to try to convince them to go next year, so, um, but I'm looking forward to it, because at the Smithsonian, they got a Dumbo ride car and a teacup, um, so I'm looking forward to that, and, um, I just wanted to call in and say hey to everybody, um, uh, I hope everyone's doing fine, and, um, have a great summer, everyone, and remember, if we can dream it, we can do it. See ya. Hi, Lou. It's Sharon from the suburbs of Cleveland. How are you? Uh, just listened to show 176 about Cinderella's golden casserole. Casserole. Ca- carousel. <laughs> and it was a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, just loved it that you're on, always record on site. And um, please keep that up. Always enjoy listening when you are recording right at the world. And I just am so interested in all the details that were given, and hopefully our family will be going uh, to Disney World in 2011, and when we go on that carousel, I will surely appreciate it even more than I have in the past. Thank you for all that you do, and you certainly um, bring a lot of joy um, just listening to your show and escaping for a little bit just from the regular world. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou. This is Gary Clevenger, Greenwood, Arkansas, uh, down here in the world. Been here about a week. Thought we'd come over to the rider stop and take your recommendation. Sorry, but Becky's not going to win this one. You win. This is excellent, excellent cookie. Uh, been down here 15 times, 15th trip. 
you have definitely made this one a lot better than the past. Listen to your show, look at the forums, look at your page and everything else. We appreciate everything you do. Keep up the hard work, and I'm sure we'll be calling you back. We're going to do Epcot tomorrow. Thank you, Lou. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. This is Foyer Javariel, and I'm here with some friends. Hi! And we wanted to sing a little bit of Big Blue World from Finding Nemo the Musical at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Here we go. One, two, three. In a big blue world, we're going to go explore in a big Thank you.